Joel chapter 2 and verse number 28. Joel chapter 2, verse number 28. We'll begin reading there. Amen. Going to talk about the Spirit of God. Everyone say the Spirit of God. Amen. Say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of a deceased one. The Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, Spirit of God that has a biblical theme. And so today for a few moments, we want to look at that biblical theme. Joel chapter 2 and verse number 28. This is an Old Testament passage. Joel, a prophet in the Old Testament, prophesying, and he speaks as the mouthpiece of God, and this is what he writes. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my spirit. Amen. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Maybe, peradventure, this is your first time in the house of God, and I hope that we have put our best foot forward to introduce you to an apostolic Pentecostal church. If we have not, please come back again tonight. We would be so happy to see you here with us. But if it is your first time in the house of God, and you may be wondering, what is this Pentecostal thing? What is this experience? What is this church? What is this all about? Uh, a Pentecostal church is a church that is built upon a Pentecostal experience. So we're apostolic in our doctrine. We're Pentecostal in our experience. And what does that mean? How does that differentiate us maybe from other churches and, and, and what have you? It's a biblical thing. And it definitely has to do with the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God. Amen. And so we started here in the Old Testament where Joel is talking about an expectation. He's launching something, looking forward to something. It hasn't yet happened, but it's going to happen and it's going to come to pass in which God is going to pour out his Spirit. Amen. What does that mean? I want the Spirit of God. I want him to pour it out. Amen. Not to withhold it, not for it to be limited, but I want it to be poured out to me. And so Joel is projecting this forward and he's talking about this and he says, when it, when it happens, it's going to happen on daughters. It's going to happen on sons. It's going to happen on the elderly. It's going to happen on young men. It's going to happen on servants and handmaids. God is going to pour out his spirit. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the power of Pentecost. Praise God. Thank you for the power of Pentecost, your anointing, your ability, your presence, your spirit, and what that means to us. We pray that you would help us today, encourage us through your word, help us to reflect upon it. We give to you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. There was an expectation that Prophet Joel is projecting something forward. And he's talking about something that is going to take place. Your Bible is split into two testaments. There is an Old Testament. There is a New Testament. The Old Testament is a way of understanding how God introduces his nature and his character. We do not live under the Old Testament, although there are many things in the Old Testament 
that we can apply to our lives. For example, the Ten Commandments are great rules to live by. The Decalogue, the Ten Commandments that is given to the children of Israel are still some of the best law-based rubric principles that you can find in the entire world. And so there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that we can glean from. We don't live under the old covenant system. Our dietary system is not the same. And we don't bring sacrifices. And so there's a lot that has changed. But without the Old Testament, we wouldn't have a clear picture of the sacrifice and fulfillment of what Jesus brings to us if we didn't have those types and shadows in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament is, Paul put it this way, he said it was a schoolmaster because it, it pointed out where we were wrong, how we didn't measure up, but it didn't give to us the power to overcome those things. And so it's kind of dark and it's kind of foreboding. And yet every once in a while, there is a glimmer of promise and there's a glimmer of hope. And there is a light that shines, that points the way forward, that says there's coming a day. And when that day comes, God is going to reveal his power and his ability. And the things right now that are shady and the things that are dark and the glass that we look through that is dark and we don't have all the answers for there's coming a day, and when that day arrives, we'll know better then than we do now at what God is doing in the world. I want to say the same principle applies to us today. If there are things in your life that you can't see, it's not clear, praise God, just Remember that there is a God that brings a light. He brings hope. He brings strength. So no matter what's going on today, there's a new day that is coming. That's a principle. It's a principle in the Old Testament looking to the New Testament. But it's a principle for all time because that's the way that God works. He, he says you can wake up every day with a new song. There's something new that is going to take place. Praise God. If you're not satisfied where you are today, there is a light that's going to break through tomorrow. It may not be tomorrow. It may be the next day, but know this. There's hope. There is hope. There is a hope that maketh not a shame. Don't get too depressed. Don't get too downtrodden. Know that God is going to work something out for your good. Praise God. So no matter where you are today, there's a God that knows how to shine a light on it and make a change in it. So this verse is talking about expectation and things that are projected forward. And at the time of Jesus, in John chapter 7 and verse 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So in Joel, there's, there's an expectation. Here, by Jesus' own words, he said, I'm going to give you water and something to drink if you're thirsty, and it's going to flow out of your belly like rivers of living water. He was talking about not physical water, but he was talking about the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God that would be poured out, but it could not be poured out until he was glorified. And so still, there's an expectation. Even Jesus himself is saying, there's coming a day in which 
there's going to be something, water that will, that will quench every thirst, that flows like a river, that is like a well springing up into everlasting life. Praise God. It's going to come from within, but it can't come until I am glorified. And so there are still new things that are being projected. Jesus is saying the Holy Ghost has not yet come, but it is coming, and it could not come until Jesus was glorified. Praise God. I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm thankful for the power of God. I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of people that are thirsty. They're trying to quench a thirst in their life, and it's an unquenchable thirst, and so they're looking for a lot of things to try to quench that thirst and feel that gap and that hole. And so they'll turn to a lot of dysfunction. They will create a lot of coping mechanisms just to try to survive and to exist. They'll drown it with alcohol. They'll check out with drugs. Praise God. But in the house of God today, we have found something that is a well springing up into everlasting life. If you're thirsty in the house of God here today, there's an answer. Praise God. If you're thirsty, there is an answer. The Spirit of God is like a well that springs up into everlasting life. You don't have to drink from a bottle, but you can drink from the Holy Ghost. You don't have to inject stuff into your veins, but you can put the Holy Ghost on the inside of you that brings power to you and strength to you. It's the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can I get a witness here in the house of God today? Praise God. Did you come off of addictions and drugs and all kinds of stuff? But God gave to you a new opportunity and he provided to you a new life. Praise God. And now you have a strength that comes from his spirit. So Jesus said, this thing is coming. Joel said, it's coming. There's coming a day. Young men, young women, elderly handmaidens, they're going to prophesy. The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out. It's coming. That was in the Old Testament. Jesus, in his ministry, said the Holy Ghost is not yet poured out because I have to be glorified. And until I'm glorified, then the Holy Ghost cannot be projected. Praise God. The spirit of Jesus is what's going to be poured out. And so when Jesus was with them, there was no need for the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God because he was the Spirit of God. But there was going to come a day in which he would be glorified. And when he was glorified, then he would no longer be with the population, humanity in physical form. And so he would pour out his Spirit in a spiritual form, but his Spirit would reside with us. Praise God. The Holy Ghost is not a person. Jesus is a person. In the Old Testament, the Father, the originator, the creator of all things is not a person. The children of Israel, when they were following Yahweh, Jehovah, they weren't following a person. They were following a spirit. That's what made them so different than the rest of the nations. They didn't worship idols. They didn't worship figurines. They didn't worship gods of stone. They worshiped an unknown God. You could not see him unless he manifested himself. So they could see him in a pillar of fire. They could see him in a cloud. They could see him from a burning bush. 
They could see when he manifested himself in some way, shape, or form, but he was not a person until Jesus comes along and Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. So the only personage of the Godhead that you can see is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Jesus said, I can't, I'm not sending you another person. I'm not sending you the, the spirit that is a person. I'm sending you my spirit. But I can't send you my spirit when I'm with you right now. And so that's what he tried to tell the disciples. The expectation in the Old Testament was also countered by Jesus saying the glorification has to take place. And then the outpouring of the spirit is going to take place. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 3, Jesus showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. What was projected in expectation, what Jesus said, he is now speaking about here. When they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Watch this. This is, this is awesome. This is great. Nudge, nudge your neighbor and say, Get ready for this. Come on, nudge your neighbor and say it, you know, get ready for this because this is really good. Jesus says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So there was the glorification of Jesus. He is no longer with them. But his last words were, you need to tarry for the promise that's coming that the prophet Joel talked about, that I've told you about. Because when that power comes, that spirit comes, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. What the Old Testament raised up and told you, you were wrong, you were a sinner, but you didn't have any power to overcome it. When the Holy Ghost comes, there's going to be a power that gives you the ability to live above sin and live, live above your problems. You're going to be more than a conqueror when that spirit comes. When that Holy Ghost is poured out on you, you're going to have the ability to walk in faith and not walk in doubt. When that Holy Ghost comes, you're going to be a conqueror. You're going to be able to conquer your flesh and live like you really want to live, not bound by sin and degradation, but free in the Holy Ghost. That's the way that you're going to be able to live. Do I have a witness in the house of God? 
Hallelujah. Did you come to the house of God because of the anointing and power of God? It raised you up from where you were. It gave you a testimony and it put power into your life. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say this. There is no power that is greater than the Holy Ghost. Amen. You're not going to find anything greater than the Holy Ghost. If you've got situations in your life and trouble in your life, you know what you need? You need the Holy Ghost because when the Holy Ghost is operating in your life, you can control every temptation. You can control every difficulty, every trouble. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, Praise God, you can be powerful. But when you're not full of the Holy Ghost, there is no power there. Praise God. That's why we're a Pentecostal church. Because we believe when the Holy Ghost is there, there is power there. That is why we can look at every situation and say, with men it's an impossibility. But with God, all things are possible. Praise God. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord together. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the promise. I thank you for the promise of the Holy Ghost. So there was an expectation. Jesus said there has to be a glorification. I can't send my spirit until I am glorified. So this is a theme in Scripture going really all the way back to the beginning because when God created the earth and then... He created, well, first of all, when he created the earth, it was without form and void, and he breathed. And so even from the very beginning, there's something about the breath of God. <clears throat> when he created humanity, he breathed the breath of life into them. Prior to that point, they were dead. Spiritually, we were dead in sins and trespasses. So in order for us to resurrect and have life, there has to be a breathing into us. Praise God. Ezekiel looked at a valley of dry bones, and, and he looked at it, and God told him, do you think these dry bones can live? And he said, Lord, you know. And the Lord said, I want you to speak to this valley of dry bones. And so he begins to prophesy, and there is a moving, there is a, there is a breath it starts putting things back together. And so when everything is scattered and bones are bleached out and they're all over the place, and this is descriptive of the children of Israel in captivity where it looks like there's absolutely no life that can arise out of the ashes. But like a phoenix coming out of the ashes, when the breath of God begins to blow, start coming together and taking place. Amen. This is the message that we still preach to our world. You may be in a valley of dry bones and things are disjointed and out of place. Amen. People will say, well, I'm, I need to come to God, but I just, there's, there's some things I need to work on. No, you're, you're not going to be able to take the hip bone and the humerus and, 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 and all the other bones and put them together yourself. It's not going to be possible because you don't have the power to do that but there is one that does have the power to do that and by his spirit and by his by his breath he's able to take the things in your life that are disjointed and disconnected 
and he's able to bring them back together again. Praise God. Thank God you said, you know what? I need to get to the house of God. <laughs> Praise God. I, I, I know I can't, I can't do this on my own, but I need to get to the house of God and let God start working on some things in my life that is scattered. And instead of disunity, he can unify some things in my life and bring some things together. This is the kind of God that we're talking about. And this is the kind of power that is connected to his spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to come to a church that is dead and dry and boring and dull. I want to come to church where there is a power of the Holy Ghost. There's a move of the spirit of God. There's healing. There's salvation. There is strength that occurs in the house of God. Praise God. Praise God. So turn to your neighbor and tell them this is what it means to be Pentecostal. There is an emphasis on the spirit and presence of God. Amen. Not on men's traditions. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't come in, we don't come in here and give you what you're to say and what you're to do and how you're to do it. There's nowhere in scripture that describes that. Jesus gave to us a pattern of prayer, but he didn't tell us what to pray. He said, I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And so everything is not programmed to tell you exactly what to say and what to do and how to do it. We just come in here and say, God, we're here to worship you and praise you. And if you break out, you can break out in any part of the service. It doesn't matter. If you want to break out and there's a move of your spirit during worship, break out and have a move. It could break out. I've never seen it happen, but there may be a day in which it does. During announcements where the Holy Ghost breaks out. I don't know how that would even happen, but if it did happen, if it did happen, we would say, praise God. That's what we're about. The moving of the Holy Ghost and the spirit and presence of God. That's what we desire. That's what we want. Amen. We want the Holy Ghost to be involved in everything that we do. Praise God, everything that we do. So there was an expectation, and Jesus said there has to be a glorification. And so here they are, and they're watching this. Forty days, Jesus was seen. Forty days, he was teaching them about the kingdom of God. He was talking about this new dynamic of the kingdom of God. It's going to radically fulfill an old system, and it's going to launch a new transformational way of living. It's going to transform the entire world. Jesus is telling them in the 40 days. He is crucified. He dies. They put him in a tomb. The tomb cannot hold him. The grave cannot hold him. Death can't hold him. The grave can't hold him. And hell, no matter what the opposition, cannot hold him. He comes out of that with power and authority. And he spends some time telling them for 40 days, there's a kingdom of God that's going to be a transformational thing. It's not like in the Old Testament. I'm paraphrasing. It's not like in the Old Testament where it's only to the one vehicle of Israel. This precedes Israel even. This goes back to Abraham. I promised Abraham I'm going to make his descendants as the sand of the seashore and as the stars of the sky. I made a promise to him. I used Israel as a vehicle to get to this point. But there is going to be a transformational way of living that's going to impact the entire world. It's a new dynamic. It's going to be a powerful force in the world. And Jesus told them this at the beginning of the book of Acts. 
In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 3. To whom also he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Jesus gave to us the expectation. John told us it's here, but it's not yet because Jesus has to be glorified. Jesus ascends. Now there is, there is nothing that hinders the Holy Ghost from coming. There's nothing that hinders the Holy Ghost from coming. Everything has been established. In the Old Testament, there's an expectation. It is prophesied. It's like a shaft of light breaking into a very dark kind of picture. And, and it looks forward. Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus is there as the presence of God. And even he says, there's coming a day in which when I am glorified, I am going to send my spirit upon all flesh. So now that Jesus is taken up in the very midst of them, and he tells them, stay in Jerusalem and tarry for the promise of the Holy Ghost. And then he is taken up. Now there is nothing that hinders him from coming. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, it tells us of this occurrence. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Then they returned unto Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, and there abode Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. They all gathered together. The disciples were there. Mary was there. Everybody, everybody needed the promise that was coming. Everybody needed the Holy Ghost. And so here they are in Jerusalem, in an upper room, and they were to do what? They were to pray. They were to be there in one accord in prayer and supplication, and they were to wait for the, for the breath, the power, the spirit that was expected and then glorified, and now there is nothing that stands in the way. The power of Pentecost, they're there on the day of Pentecost. They're at the feast of Pentecost. And here they are. They are they are in a position that is much different than say the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel is a place where humanity in their unity tried to create a tower because they said we are not going to undergo a worldwide flood again. This is self-preservation and it is self-will that says we're going to build a tower. God scatters them, and he scatters them through languages. So there is disunity through language. Now they can't, they can't communicate. They can't talk to each other. And so there is a scattering at, ba at Babel. But at Pentecost, there is a regathering of all of this. There is a reconstituting of the languages. Praise God. It's, it's going to be a heavenly language, not a physical language. But it is going to be a language that brings everybody back together. Amen. And so in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, where they're at Jerusalem, in the upper room, they're praying and in supplication. Chapter 2 and verse number 1. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were there with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And so from that moment in an upper room where they were praying and they were seeking God, and they were looking for the promise that would be like a well springing up into everlasting life. All of a sudden, there is a move of the Holy Ghost. And there are, there's a, a flame that appears. And, and the Holy Ghost is poured out. And they start speaking in an unknown tongue. And when it poured out into the street, it became a known tongue that captured the imagination of everybody that had gathered in Jerusalem. There was a move of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was poured out on all flesh. The thing that was everybody was looking for was now fulfilled. Praise God. I want to tell you something because there are some people that will say this. Well, the Holy Ghost was for the first century. It is not for us today. It was only for that one occurrence in Jerusalem. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but there's still people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It was not for the first century. It was what Jesus died for. A transformative way of living the Holy Ghost operating in your life and the Spirit of God working in your life is not for yesterday it's for today and it's for tomorrow and it's for everybody praise God it's for everybody now this obviously rocked it rocked their world those that were in Jerusalem they came out and they thought they were drunk. They mocked them. But Peter, in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37, began to preach. And people that were looking at this became convicted. And they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, imagine this. <laughs> They're in an upper room. And they're praying. And the Holy Ghost breaks out and, and they spill out of the upper room into the streets. And now there is a huge crowd that is gathered. And they're, they're thinking, these men are drunk. And Peter said, they're not drunk as you suppose, seeing this is only 10 o'clock in the morning. But this is the new wine. And Peter, in his message, actually quoted Joel. He said, this is that which was prophesied by Joel. The day is coming that the Holy Ghost is going to be poured out. And Peter said, that day is here because it was expected. Jesus was crucified. And by the way, you crucified him, but he was glorified. And now the power of his spirit has fallen in these streets and he is here among us by his spirit. 
they became convicted and their hearts were pricked. And so they looked at the apostles and this, 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 this whole thing that's going on in the streets and they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. Everyone say repent. That means you've got to turn from your old lifestyle. Repentance is not just some words that you say and then it's confirmed by somebody. Repentance is identifying with the death of Jesus. It's putting to death some things in your own life, in your own will. And it's saying, God, I'm turning from my own way and I'm turning to you. I'm saying the same prayer that you prayed. Not my will, but thine be done. Praise God. Repentance. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. It's a first century problem, and it's also a 21st century problem. We live in an untoward generation. We live in a generation that is not thankful about anything. They are unthankful. But the antidote and the solution to an untoward generation is a new birth experience, what Peter is preaching about on the day of Pentecost. You need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in the name that's above every name and you need the Holy Ghost to happen way down on the inside of you that springs up like a well of everlasting water and life. Praise God. That's how you save yourself from an untoward generation. If you listen to that generation, you're going to be lost. If you listen to the voice of that generation, you're going to be confused. But if you listen to the power of the Holy Ghost, everything's going to be all right. Because the power of God is going to flow in your life. Amen. As musicians come this morning and we conclude, the elements of apostolic doctrine are revealed to be repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is the merging of the expectation, the fulfillment of Jesus, and the establishment of the church is all found in Jerusalem at Pentecost. You say, well, I don't even understand what Pentecost is. What is that? Sometimes people will call or talk, and uh, they have a hard time pronouncing this, and they have a hard time spelling it. It comes from a Greek word, which is Pentecoste. Pentecoste. Pentecost. And it means 50th. Everyone say 50. It means 50. It means 50 the 50th day after Passover. So you had Passover and the 50th day after Passover is known as the Feast of Weeks. And so they were in Jerusalem for Pentecost 50 days after the Passover. Everybody was coming to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. This revival that broke out and the outpouring of God's spirit, it was not well received by the religious authorities who were in opposition to Jesus. It was not well received. 
The lame man that was healed at the gate of the temple caused quite a stir, and Peter used this opportunity to preach his second recorded message about the glorification of Jesus. And he said, it is the faith in Jesus that is what has healed this man. It's about the power of God's ability and his anointing and his spirit. And Peter said it this way. Be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Mm. Praise God. As we stand together in the house of the Lord today, and then he said these powerful words, neither is there salvation in any other. Praise God. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Praise God. You know what was operating in the life of Peter? This was the Peter that made so many mistakes. That, that was opening his mouth saying stuff that he really didn't think about. It's the same Peter that is standing on the day of Pentecost and standing before these authorities with boldness. What made the difference? What made the difference was the power of the Holy Ghost that was operating in his life. Because in this passage of scripture, it said Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We preach that the Holy Ghost is still being poured out upon all flesh. And we still feel that it is significant that the Holy Ghost operates in our life. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing among them, they could say nothing against it. Praise God. You can say whatever you want about how crazy we are. The infilling of the Holy Ghost which comes through the speaking in tongues. Your tongue is the most vile member in the entire world, in the, in the entire catalog of the human condition. It can tear down, destroy, kill, steal. It can do a lot of things. And so when the Holy Ghost comes in, it comes in through the, through the member that makes the most sense. God it takes over and the spirit of God resides in our life amen praise God praise God praise God when they saw this they could say nothing against it you can't say anything against the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost is the spirit of God that is in operation amen this is what makes us a Pentecostal church amen there's another side called apostolic doctrine so we're apostolic Pentecostal but if you're wondering what makes those people tick what makes them unique it's because of the power of the Holy Ghost in operation in everything that we do praise God we want the Holy Ghost when we sing hallelujah we want the Holy Ghost when we pray we want a moving of God's spirit in everything that we do praise God as we conclude this service here today I think it would be very very good that we would reconfirm we are a Pentecostal church 
Pentecostal in experience because we believe that there is still power through the working of God's Spirit. If you lift up your hands and lift up your voice, praise God and lift up faith in the house of God today. God, I need your Spirit. I want there to be a well that springs up into everlasting life. Praise God. I want your anointing. Fill me up. Praise God. I, I want your spirit to overflow on my life. I want to be filled with the spirit. I want to run Spirit. 